coming up this week on the Smitty and Mitty Show. Danny Vietti of CBS Sports Baseball Writer joins us. We're going to talk lockout, we're going to talk signings, we're going to talk Blue Jays, and we'll talk Shohei Otani, plus a little NFL. It's the Smitty Mitty Show. And now... Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? Start your engines! 90% of the time, I have no idea what I'm talking about. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. The show that's got everyone saying... You're so dumb, for real. With Smitty. What you just said is one of the most idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. And Mitty. I've been in this business 15 years. What's your name? you. That's my name. (laughs) This is the Smitty Mini Show. Welcome back to the Smitty and Mitty Show podcast here for another week. We hope you are uh, enjoying the start to your holidays if they're just getting started or getting your holiday shopping done. If you're if you're a shopper out there, if not, Happy Holidays! Welcome to the Smitty Game Show, brought to you by Goldline Curling, the choice of champions, and Dave Middleton. Stop laughing. What? Stop laughing. Everyone's a shopper. Not everyone. So you, you've done no shopping? I had Brittany do 90% of it. Except for her. And when you go to shop for her, you are a shopper. Okay. I'm a 10% shopper. As, and I know that you're picking up candy. Finish the sponsors, please. You interrupted me. Who did you mention? Just do them both again. Okay. Dave Middleton, Sun Life Financial Life's Brighter Under the Sun, Gold Line Curling, the Choice of Champions. Sponsored the 2022 Ontario Tankert, which is the Ontario Curling Championship. That's happening at the the Port Elgin Plex. And you can find tickets online now. Why are you talking so quiet? That is my gentle announcer's voice. Okay. Well, pull it up a little bit here because the people need to be able to hear you on the other side of the radio machine. It's not very important at all that they hear the sponsors. No? Not at They're all. just the one that keeps the lights on above us here. You know what I found out? I've been doing a, a bunch. They are not keeping the lights on here. That's your parents. We are in your parents' basement. They don't um, need to know that. I've been doing a whole bunch of of refereeing, and because of that, I do have a cold, and I'm a little stuffed up. And if you want to not have conversations with anyone ever, make sure you have a cold nowadays, because nobody comes near you. Yes, if you do not want to get invited over to someone's house nowadays... Have a cold. And it's because, like, I even had to go get tested just to make sure. So, I mean, we got the rapid test just to make sure before we saw some family last weekend. But, I mean, when I'm on the ice, like, you take one deep breath and then you cough. And then a coach is, like, yelling at you and then he stops. When you get close, he just stops. It's like, yeah, maybe I don't need to ask you about that call. Yeah, Stay exactly. on the other side of the ice. Exactly. It's magical. They should just consistently have refs be sick and nobody will ever talk to anybody. Is that your new game plan? Yeah, just, be sick. just be sick or act sick i guess act i don't have sick. to be you don't sick. actually have to be sick. the cold you just have to act the cold okay <laughs> uh we gotta get to our interview today we're gonna talk some baseball i know you you're amped up for football we'll talk some football next week all right we'll get some football underneath us do you promise off, me we'll finish off the year with some football i'm just kidding next week is the best of the year so no football for you see you in 2022 uh, let's talk some baseball, though. Welcoming on to the show, Danny Vietti. He is the co-host of the Wake and Rake podcast with Will Middlebrooks, also a writer for CBS. Danny, thanks for joining us. Pleasure to have you on the show. Yeah, Tyler. No, I appreciate you having me on, man. I'm looking forward to it. Well, we we knew we had to have somebody on to talk about the craziness that is the MLB right now. So we're going to jump right into it and talk about this lockout. Um, why could there not have been something figured out? Like, I just feel like there's the reason I even I like I knew about your podcast. and I knew about you. I've heard you before. But when I saw your tweet about 
um, about the lockout and about the money going back and forth. That's when I was like, okay, this is going to be a perfect guy to talk lockout with. Like why do, I feel like there's no appetite by the fans to have a lockout right now, but yet the owners and the players just don't care. And here we are. Um, why are we here? Why are we in this situation? This has been a long process. Um, everybody expected and anticipated this to happen. I think last year with the 2020 COVID situation, that was kind of a preview of what was to come. Last year, for those that don't remember, back in 2020, we weren't sure if we were going to get a Major League Baseball season at all. Um, to Rob Manfred's credit, he basically stepped in because two sides could not come to an agreement. Manfred doesn't get a lot of credit. Uh, some of that deserves, some of that not so much. He stepped in and basically said that let's get a 60-game season done, and they were able to do that. But that said, this is not new um, among professional sports. The NBA had a similar situation about five, six years ago. They had to delay the start to their season. The hockey went through a CBA. You guys would know that better than I, uh, you guys being in Canada. But hockey, uh, yeah, 14, what, I think. What was that? I think it was 2014 when they ended up playing a 40-game schedule or something yeah. like that. Right. So, so point being, exactly, point being, this isn't new among professional sports. Sometimes when you're dealing with this much money and this many egos, too, there's going to be some frustrations and some, uh, some things to be worked out. So right now there's a lot of rule changes too in flux. We're talking universal DHs. Are we going to have a salary floor? What are we doing with infield shifts? Um, there's a lot of different bullet points to hit. And right now the billionaires and by billionaires, I mean, major league baseball owners, they're so far on one side and in the millionaire baseball players and the players union, they're over so far on the right side that right now it's just going to take time to try and, meet in the middle somewhere right now they have not met in the middle everyone is expecting and is confident and optimistic that we're going to get a season on time that's the good news is we're still four months away from opening day uh there's still plenty of time to to, to work these kinks out yeah i think that's probably the silver lining at least it was the first thing that i thought of is we're still early they have lots of time to figure this out. It's not like the lockout came in, in February when we're getting set for spring training. So there's lots of time. How far apart? I mean, you know, you say that these guys are far apart. The owners, the players, they're far apart. But was it like like exponentially further apart? Like there's no chance that this was getting done before December 1st? All indications were that this was bound to happen. Uh, there wasn't a lot of confidence just because when you, have, like I said, when you have this much money involved and this many egos each side wants to see how far they can get. And so when you have four months time before the season starts, each side is going to see how far they can get. Um, as we creep closer to spring training and then eventually, hopefully it doesn't get to this point, but eventually opening day, or at least the start date, both sides will start to feel the public pressure, public perception, public pressure. And so each side will maybe start to creep inward toward one another. So all indications were that this was bound to happen because balance of power, that's what it really comes down to. Um, but again, very optimistic that they are going to get a deal done with, you know, four months remaining. Yeah. That's where I feel we are um, a part in, in some of our thinking, because I believe we were just working off basically a bridge deal on the CBA, right? Where they were, you know, let's push it a couple of years. Let's sign this deal. We'll move on. Like, I just feel like there was a way that they could have got something done to get us two, three years down the line, get us clear of the pandemic. Let's let, you know, the owners have been suffering. There's no, like, there's no doubts about that. They've, they've been losing some money because of, you know, no fans last year and all the things that's been happening. Uh, their people are, you know, financially struck because of all the thing that's been going on. Like, I feel like there was just, there was a deal that we could say, okay, expanded playoffs we've agreed on 
universal DH we can agree on. There's things that we can put in this, the rest of it, let's push it for a couple of years. Let's get past this pandemic and then we'll revisit it when there's more of an appetite for the fans. I wish it was that simple, honestly. Um, it, from our perspective, it is because this situation, it does not resonate with the common person, people like yourself, people like myself, the fans, because for example, Max Scherzer, he's going to be making $43 million next season or is expected to, if there is a season. I broke that down by pitch. Essentially, he'll make about $13,000 per pitch if he throws the same amount of pitches next year as he did this last year. So was, what does that break down to? it? What, what am I getting at here? $13,000 per pitch. This guy's going to make my salary after the first hitter he faces, most likely. So the reason I say that is not to shit on my own self here. It's really just to say that what they're dealing with right now is nothing that we deal with on a day-to-day basis. So it's easy for us to say, just accept the universal DH, but how much money is involved there for nationally teams? If you're adding universal DH owners, as you just explained, they want expanded playoff expanded playoff means more money. Why do they want more money slash expanded playoff? Because they would have to pay more money to add a universal DH. Another a DH is essentially another position guy that you're paying. When you have a pitcher that's hitting, you have nine guys in the lineup. When there's a DH, there's 10 guys in the lineup that you're paying a significant amount to most likely. So that's, again, it's balance of power, balance of money. It's all a power struggle. Um, And that's really what a lot of these negotiations are. And it does not resonate with us because we don't deal with these types of things on a day-to-day basis. We talk about the universal DH expanded playoffs. Those are things that it appears that two sides have agreed on. And, and to be honest with you, I agree on something I would like to see um, in major league baseball moving forward. But what are some other things that have been talked about between the two sides that we might see in the new CBA when it comes around, hopefully in the new year? There's a couple of different things. So service manipulation is a real issue in major league baseball. Chris Bryant might be the per- perfect example uh, Chris Bryant with the Chicago Cubs back in, I believe it was 2015 or 16. I have in my years. COVID messed me up years-wise. 2015-16, uh, um, they essentially kept him down in the minor leagues after having a monster spring training. This guy was – he was ready for the big league call-up. They kept him down in the minor leagues, which is now called service manipulation because if you only play a certain amount of games or only uh, have so many at-bats, you do not, um, it does not count as a year against you for free agency eligibility. So there was a, uh, a rumor out there that Major League uh, Baseball Players Union wanted free agency eligibility after five years of service time, whereas the owners, and as before the CBA ended, the previous one, it was after six years. So that remains to be seen. A salary floor is also something that players are fighting for. And this also kind of, um, stems from service eligibility or excuse me, uh, service time uh, manipulation and, and just really just uh, competition as a whole. Teams like the Pirates, teams like the Oakland A's, teams that refuse to spend, players want a more competitive league. And the only way to do that is to have teams spend more money because, for example, the Pittsburgh Pirates, largest contract that this franchise has ever handed out was Jason Kendall, just $60 million. That was more than two decades ago. That was back in 2000. That's not good for the fans. That's not good for competitive play. And it's not good for polarity among Major League Baseball. So that needs to improve. We'll see what gets worked out. There's different things they're talking about. Like I mentioned before, uh, the shift, uh, instant replay, uh, different um, different uh, smaller changes, if you will, within Major League Baseball. We'll see what gets worked out. But there's a, there's a large number, a, lo- a lengthy list of things they're discussing. Yeah, and I think that was one of the main concerns with the expanded playoffs. And we'll talk about that here. 
um, because there was coming out of one of the camps, I believe it was the players camp before all this happened that the expanded playoffs was agreed to. We were going um, to more teams. We were going to have, you know, teams that are able to pick their opponents. Basically there was a whole bunch of changes there. Um, But with that comes as, as your partner on the podcast talked about um, comes more teams are making it. Teams are going to spend less because you don't Mm -hmm. have to spend as much to make it which is where the cap floor is probably going to come in because now you need teams to like, all of this kind of makes sense. It's a, it's kind of a, it's, it's a stepping stone. Okay. This to this, to this, to this, to this. And it just, you're right. It seems so fluent to me that I don't know how stuff couldn't have been, couldn't have been dealt with in a little bit better of a fashion. Um, but the expanded playoffs, how do you feel about that? All the changes that we're looking at. So the way I look at it is when you compare it to other sports, Major League Baseball lets in the fewest. I'm talking about the four major North American sports, hockey, basketball, and uh, football, uh, and then baseball, of course. So they let in the least amount of teams of those four major North American sports. Um, Major League Baseball this last year, um, they had the two wildcard teams on each side, and then they had three division winners. So they're letting in five teams on each side. Um, uh, right, one, two. Yeah, five teams on each side. I'm doing the math in my head here. Uh, as as opposed to the NBA. So that's a total of 10 teams. The NBA lets in eight teams on each side in each conference. So that's a total of 16 teams. And then this last year, they had COVID implications too. So they had uh, a couple play-in games. Even this year, I think the NBA has some type of play-in mm-hmm. situation going on. Uh, the NFL too, they just expanded their, their playoff. Again, you guys know hockey a lot better than I do, but hockey also has uh, more teams in Major League Baseball. So I'm okay with it. I don't, to your point, I don't want it to become teams spending less, teams trying to uh, sneak. What I didn't love last year, and I give the Atlanta Braves so much credit in that they weren't the best team, yet they ended up winning the World Series, similar to the Nationals back in 2019, and even the San Francisco Giants, even in the early 2010s. You just got to get in. But I don't think it's a matter of spending money that is going to determine that the Atlanta Braves were one of the best teams in the national league, the second half of the season, it just took them a while to get going. It wasn't a matter as if it wasn't like the Atlanta Braves were one of the lowest teams on the payroll. They were top 12 in payroll this last year. It wasn't a lack of spending. It wasn't a lack of effort. It was just, it took them a while to kind of find their way. Um, So it's certainly a concern when you do expand a playoff is you don't want too many teams to, exploit or take advantage of this uh, new system but at the same time i think at the end of the day teams are going to do what they're going to do regardless of the expanded playoff that that kind of makes sense uh yeah you, you should try being a blue jays fan and watching a team win a world series that lost six more games than you or something like that <laughs> yeah it's fun yeah um, yeah uh so last i think a couple more here on the lockout do you think we're going to see an expansion a league expansion i mean we've seen um the tampa bay rays who are possibly going to do a double switch with Montreal. I don't know if that's completely confirmed or what's going on there. Um, but obviously more money, more teams brings in more money. So do you think we're going to see some kind of like a, a 32 team expansion part of the CBA? I, I believe in due time uh, right now, there's a lot of uh, issues at hand that need to be dealt with first. Um, that, Justin Timberlake, uh, one of the biggest celebrities, you know, of, of this generation, he's been vouching to get a team to Nashville for years now. He's been heading that recently. And you mentioned the Tampa Bay Rays possibly playing in Montreal and Tampa Bay. That could obviously be an option too. Um, but I'm more concerned with the situation that's going on in Oakland, at least personally. And I think that's the priority and should be the priority with the major league baseball, because 
the Oakland A's, I really feel for their fans and um, everyone involved there because at this point, they don't have a manager. Uh, number two, they don't know where they're going to be playing. Number three, their stadium situation is far below standard uh, in Major League Baseball, or at least should be looked upon as far below standard. And it's gone on too long. This this dates back to the Bud Selig days. They could not get a ballpark uh, situation successfully passed with Bud Selig. Now it's here with Bob, Rob Manfred, and we're in the 2020s here, and Oakland is still – are they going to be in Vegas? Are they going to be in Nashville? So – Expanded playoffs are great. Like you said, more money, um, more exposure for the league, more fan bases, more everything. But at the same time, I think we need to take care of our teams right now. And Oakland right now is an absolute disaster. Yeah, we've seen – well, Oakland is a perfect example because uh, I'm only 24, and I think for 15 years of my life, Oakland's talked about getting a new stadium, moving, right? Like, and you've, it's seen really, about, you've seen it's, about five or six rebuilds out of not, Oakland it's already. It's not too. good for baseball. And like you said, I think you need to – if you're Major League Baseball, you need to make sure that every single one of your member clubs is in a good position before you think about adding more teams. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, and not to mention, too, it's just – it's bad, not just for Oakland fans, but it's bad for baseball, too. I mean, the Bay Area in general is a massive, massive uh, uh, baseball uh, core, like core, really. Like, like there's so much baseball knowledge and baseball, it's such a big baseball fan base, but they all obviously go to the San Francisco Giants. And it's not that there aren't Oakland A's fans. It's just the fact that the Oakland A's have not uh, re-signed or, or, or they've not taken care of their own players. They haven't taken care of their fans. They don't give them a product that's worth investing or going to go going to the games and watching. Oakland A's fans go to the ballpark. They have no idea who's in the lineup because they traded away their favorite player last week. Uh, they let a guy slide in for agency. Like, like this has gone on for years. And not to mention, John Fisher is one of the richest owners in Major League Baseball. Like, this team is in Oakland. They're in the Bay Area. We're not talking like – like, I give the Kansas City Royals, the Miami Marlins, teams like that, like, they have actually – lost money um over a season's time because for those are true small market teams oakland is not a small city we're talking bay area here this is a metropolitan area they have not taken care of their players they have not invested in their players or their organization i'm pointing to john fisher who is their owner we want to talk to you while we have you on about some of the contracts signed in major league baseball um recently because man are they crazy um and let's go right to the mets let's go right to scherzer because it is probably one of the craziest contracts that i have ever seen in my life and maybe ever will who knows um what were your first thoughts when you saw this contract the term and overall just the amount of money so i'm never going to condemn or critique a team for spending money on players but at the same time you have to understand that there needs to be some concern here max scherzer 38 years old he had to skip a start in the postseason last year because of arm fatigue um a year prior to that he had back issues even the year prior to that when they were in the world series he had back issues so a 38 year old i'm not saying max scherzer isn't going to pitch till he's 50 he says he wants to pitch till he's 50 we'll see if that happens i'm not saying that's not possible but 43 million dollars a year like i was talking about earlier on this show that essentially works out to $13,000 per pitch per start. He's going to be making like $1.4 million. So let's say hypothetically, he has a bad start. It's going to happen at some point. He gives up five earned runs in four innings. Steve Cohen's going to be paying him $1.4 million to get shelled one start. It's bound to happen. So 
what you can't have happen is you can't have one start turn into two, two starts turn into three. So I'm not going to critique the Mets on signing Max Scherzer. He's one of the best pitchers of our generation, future Hall of Famer, first ballot. But if hypothetically he does run into injury issues, you're paying this guy a lot of money, a lot of money to uh, hopefully propel your team. But if he gets injured, it, it's a risk. There's no doubt about it. And I feel like if any other team did it about the Mets, like everyone just assumes that Steve Cohen is just a crazy person. And it was only the Mets that were going to do this. And I think he's still getting paid by the Nationals too. So he's making something just over 50 million next year, something like that. Uh, Scherzer is like that's. And that, do you think that there was some kind of plot by the owners to sign these massive contracts? I mean, the Rangers spend half a billion dollars in two days right before the lockout. Do you think it was kind of a look, we're going to spend money? right before they went to the table with the players? Yeah, it's actually really good for baseball what happened, I think. It was kind of that unofficial deadline with the CBA coming up. It was very NBA-esque. When, when NBA free agency comes around, it's just chaos, like guys signing left and right, trades right and left. Um, that was great for baseball because that's how you reach a younger audience. Millennials, myself included, uh, were very uh, short-minded and uh, short attention span. So for this two week span where Seeger was signing here, Simeon was signing here, Scherzer there. Um, it was really exciting. I think that's what major major league baseball really needs. And, and the Rangers, like you just brought up, spent a lot of money. I mean, in total major league baseball over the past few weeks before that CBA ended, it was $1.7 billion was spent. So it's a, it was a bad time for um, small market or uh, teams like the A's, um, Kansas City Royals, guys like that to say, we don't have enough money. Because clearly there's money out there. I mean, even the Tampa Bay Rays, they signed Wander Franco, $200 million contract. Tampa Bay Rays, that plead poor organization constantly, similar to the A's. So um, a lot of money was spent. It was very exciting for baseball. You could make the case that teams overspent. The Texas Rangers, you could certainly make the case that they overspent. But I would make the case that they had to overspend. To pry a guy like Seager away from Los Angeles, to Texas, a team that is a historically losing franchise, they had to overspend, and then they had to give an extra year or two to Marcus Simeon as well. So credit to them for landing those guys, but I think they certainly had to overspend. Uh, so last question here before we get to the Blue Jays, and I think it's uh, an interesting one because we saw teams like the Tigers spend money, teams like the Rangers, the Blue Jays, uh, the Mariners, teams that don't usually aren't usually front and center. We haven't seen the Dodgers, the Yankees, the Red Sox, the big money team spend, spend the money. Are they just waiting for the CBA? Like how much pressure is on these big teams when we get back going again to make sure they land a couple of these big fish? Yeah, I think with the Dodgers in particular, it was more so they just lost, frankly. Um, they wanted to bring back Corey Seager. They didn't need to because they do still have Trey Turner to fill that shortstop role, but they love Corey Seager. They wanted him back. They wanted Max Scherzer back as well. I don't know what offers were on the table that is yet to be made public. What, uh, you know, I, I can't compare what the Mets offered versus what the Dodgers offered with Scherzer, but I know that the Dodgers wanted both those guys back. I bet it was it, not $43 million <laughs> a year. They, you say that, but they did give Bauer that, that deal uh, a year prior. So, yeah, um, true. but that didn't end up working out. Um, <laughs> regardless, they were able to get Chris Taylor back, but and then going to the East coast here with the Yankees, Brian Cashman, for whatever reason, he refuses to uh, spend that luxury or go over that luxury tax threshold. I don't know why you are the New York Yankees. Money should not be an issue, but for whatever reason, it, it really is for Brian Cashman. It has been for the past couple of years. So I, I do think that had a certain, the, the CBA, the, the, the pending CBA 
has something to do with Brian Cashman's hesitancy because with the CBA ending, there could be some uh, manipulation within that luxury tax, uh, that number. So I, I don't want to um, say he shouldn't have signed anyone knowing that that was coming up because that's not a good enough excuse for me, but maybe that had something to do with his hesitancy. Before we finish off the show, we got a couple more minutes here. And uh, since we have someone from out in California joining us, and since we're a Canadian show, we're Blue Jays fans, a lot of the conversation during the MVP race for us was Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Shohei Otani. Is it close? Is it not close? And I wanted to ask you, from someone who isn't indulged in the Canadian media like we are, isn't uh, getting fed Blue Jays stuff all the time, was Vlad talked about nearly as much as Shohei Otani was? Like, was that even a conversation in California? Yeah, you, so let me get this straight. You guys in Canada are asking a Californian if uh, we <laughs> it, it didn't have too much Shohei Otani bias being over here in California. Yeah, probably. Um, I think I think you might be asking the wrong guy. But let, let me tell you this. I think both if it is any other year, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. probably would have won MVP without a doubt. Um, in, in regards to how much was Vlad talked about, he was talked about a lot. I think, I think more than I, I think he probably should have. And I don't mean any disrespect to Vlad for that by any means. I just think what Shohei did this season is something we haven't seen before. And not getting that triple crown obviously hurt Vlad as well in regards to the MVP race. But I wasn't so concerned over the triple crown title. What, what my argument was come, it, it was like a month after the all-star break where Shohei was approaching 40 home runs and he was pitching the lights out every, every single time um, he touched them out. My thing was, and Vladdy was rolling too though. And so my thing was, if Vladdy wins triple crown, that's great. But, and I'm okay. I, I told this to everyone I discussed it with. If you want to give Vladimir Guerrero Jr. a triple crown, or I'm, excuse me, the MVP, for winning a triple crown, that's great. Don't give it to him only for winning a triple crown, though. Because what Shohei did this year, he didn't have some fancy title attached to it. Making 20 starts and being top five in ERA in the American League and then also hitting 40-plus home runs, there's no triple crown title. That's uncharted territory. It's never been done before, at least not since Babe Ruth. So don't – I'm okay. If Vladdy, if you think he's deserving of MVP, that's great. But don't give it to him only because of that triple crown title because Shohei did things that just simply doesn't have a title. So to answer your question, I think there was a lot of talk about Vladdy, especially when he was flirting with that triple crown title. Um, but I think at the end of the day, uh, not getting that triple crown title certainly hurt him in the voting. I do wish we had about, you know, 45 more minutes. Cause I could have this conversation <laughs> with you forever. It just, it all, yeah, I don't even, I don't even want to go into it. It just, it all bugs me that, <laughs> There is so like, I, I understand Shohei, what Shohei Otani did is amazing. Just the routine of like, like we've all literally all of us are college pitchers here. We've all been through the rigors of, you know, a whole season and of trying to get your, your pens in and trying to get your dry land in and trying to get your physique or your workouts in. And then on top of that, taking BP and we and having, you know, the mechanics of a swing, like that's all very hard. It's just none of the stats really stood out to me as an MVP. Like, like that's, that's pretty much it. There was no individual stat that I saw besides war. But when you look at pitching, if he's going to pitch and hit, obviously his war is going to be through the roof. So other than that, there was really nothing that that said MVP to me, whereas there was a whole bunch of other guys. 
that you know had MVP stats. But I'm not. I'm not going to do it. I'm not. I'm not going to get angry. You, you say that, and then you. Just I'm not going to get angry go and do rant. it. Uh, we got about a minute and a half here, so real quickly. Um, again, California guy. Um, Kevin Gosman signs with the Toronto Blue Jays. Robbie Ray is out. What's the difference between the two? What are, what should Blue Jays fans expect with Kevin Gosman? You're gonna get more consistency, and I say that in that. Kevin Gosman had some struggles, obviously. I mean, he was eventually let go, essentially, by the Reds. He was traded. Um, he was he was let go by three or four teams, the Braves, the Reds, and then the Orioles. I mean, guys that essentially let him walk. All of a sudden, he got to San Francisco, and they basically told Kevin, look, your best pitch is your splitter and your changeup. Dial in on those, and let's go hard and heavy with the, with the changeup and splitter. And that's what they did. He's found success doing that. So, And I say more consistency because Robbie Ray was going through some stuff when he got traded from Arizona to Toronto, um, kind of similarly to Kevin Gosman. But even before Robbie Ray found his way, he wasn't exactly a deep game pitcher, and he wasn't uh, as durable as Kevin Gosman. And I say that by no disrespect to Robbie Ray. It's really a respect to Kevin Gosman. I mean, he's led the league in starts two different seasons. Even before he found his way in San Francisco, he led the league in starts with Baltimore one season. And then he did it again this season in San Francisco. So a little bit more consistency. Obviously, it's coming from the right side not the left when compared to Robbie Ray, a guy that's going to take the mound every fifth day. That's key. I mean, especially for a young team like the Blue Jays, the last thing you want to deal with is injury concerns, especially with your starting rotation. So you're going to get a guy that finished top five in almost every statistic last year from ERA to FIP uh, to ERA plus. Um, and you're going to get a guy that takes that mound every fifth day. And, and that's crucial for a young squad. And especially in the ALEs too. It's no secret. There's a whole lot of right-handed bat heavy teams. Mm-hmm and a whole lot of uh, ballparks that play to, to right-handed hitters as well. Uh, listen, we really appreciate you jumping on with us. Uh, an amazing conversation. Hopefully we get baseball back before spring training, and uh, hopefully we'll do this again sometime. We'll talk some more uh, baseball. Yeah, I enjoyed it, guys. Thank you. Gold Line Curling is proud to support the Port Elgin Chrysler 2022 Ontario Tankard in Saugine Shores. Powered by Bruce Power, February 9th through 13th at the Plex in Port Elgin. Gold Line Curling, the choice of champions. I'm Dave Middleton, a proud Sun Life Financial Advisor. And I've got some fantastic ideas for the money that's building up in your bank account due to COVID-19. Make more and protect more. Visit sunlife.ca slash dave.middleton. This is the Smitty and Mitty Show. Thank you on the other side of the break to Mr. Danny Vietti for joining us, him of the Wake and Rake podcast with Mr. Will Middlebrooks, also a CBS Sports writer, baseball writer, very intelligent man. We really enjoyed talking to him. Hopefully we get to do it a lot more. Let's talk about the lockout that uh, maybe stuff we didn't get to because I feel like I didn't get to complain enough that we're actually in a lockout. Uh, how much complaining are you going to do? I feel like I could do a lot of complaining, and I'll, t- I'll, t- I'll, t- I'll, t- I'll tell you why. Okay. There is absolutely no reason we should be in this lockout right Money. now. Money. Money is the how reason. Long, but how long did they, did they have time to sit? Like, It's not like somebody all of a sudden looked at their calendar and they got the little notification that said uh, CBA expires tomorrow. Like They knew it was coming. Why could these the the lawyers? I understand why the player reps couldn't be there, but they can be communicated. So why couldn't we have these conversations and get something done by the like? You knew it was December first. You knew it was coming, and they still neglected to even really have conversations. You see this all the time, whether it's professional sports, anything in life. But this is an unprecedented people... time. This is not a normal time. This is a time where the last two years people have been losing money, and now we're watching. 
people with eight figure, nine figures fighting people with like eight, like six figure jobs, or I don't even know the I numbers am, here, nine and 12. I am not worried about it. I honestly am not. The I fact love, that it is December. I, love how I went into the, the zero number without even knowing what it was. <laughs> the fact that it is December <laughs> yes. and this lockout is starting makes me not worry nearly as much about it as I would if it was at any other time. Can they? Right? I, I am ve- actually very confident that we will not miss any Major League Baseball. I think that this CBA will be signed and done with by the end of February. I really do. Like, I'm not worried about it. I think that these people are a lot closer than they like to make us think they are. I, I think that we're not too far off. and I, also, I, think, I think we're going to miss spring training or some of it. We're going to miss a Sure, you're going to miss some, you, I said, late February. But the, the problem with missing some spring training is that you have players that aren't signed. You have guys, this, that's why we saw such a rush. And he and Danny talked about, you know, the rush of getting players signed before um, the, the CBA expired. And I actually think that's really good for baseball. I think they should look into having a offseason um, deadline basically you have to be signed by here otherwise you're not able to sign till you know till the regular season starts not spring training the regular season like if you want to be there in time for spring training you got to be signed by the new year exactly it's going to force you it's going to force players and Mm. a little bit more movement signed by the new year can you imagine that frenzy leading up over the holiday and it would be fantastic because what i don't want to see is bryce harper going two weeks into spring training before he signs a massive deal yeah, that's you know, I, I don't want to see well, that's that. always would, the worst. I would much rather see guys sign early. So I think that is something they should look into a little bit. I just don't think I think they're going to lose a lot of fans over this. A lot of the casuals that that Manfred loves. Ah, we always say that, though. And we always say that. Are they really going uh, to? I am a diehard baseball fan and I'm very upset. You're very upset, but you're still going to be in because your I'm a diehard. You're still going to be in your chair because I am a diehard. Day. If I was just Jimmy know nothing who just likes to watch baseball sometimes and go for a pint. Then no, I I don't I would not spend my money on this right now. But he will in May. He I, will I in don't April. think so. He will in April when the season starts. 100%. I think I think when he's 100%. sitting at home flipping through his TV stations and he sees a Blue Jay game or he keeps going and watches a movie, he's gonna keep going and watch a movie. Depends on the movie. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Are you gonna Could give be. me an example of a movie? Yeah, Die, Die Hard, Hard. <laughs> the best Christmas movie ever. Yes. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. All right, let's talk a little bit more uh, MLB because I want to uh, move on. A little spike in our levels there. You're going to have to adjust that. I screamed. Yeah, you did. Um, Okay, what are the odds we say Die Hard at the same time? Come on, man. Well, all we do is talk about how Die Hard is... You say it's not a Christmas movie. I say it is a Christmas movie. I didn't say it's not a Christmas movie. I just say it's not like the first movie I think of when I think of Christmas. What's the the first movie you think of when you think of Christmas? I don't know. The Grinch? me? I watched that so the new Grinch. I've watched a hundred times. How many Christmas movies do you have to watch throughout the holidays? Probably a bunch. No, only like three. I know your fiance. Literally <laughs> yeah, only like three. Three, but on repeat. But a lot because yeah, the four year old just sits there. Day. Can I watch the Grinch? Yes, it great is taste. Great taste. The new the the cartoon Grinch. Oh no! Sometimes no, the no, Jim no, Carrey. No, no. Sometimes the Jim Carrey. I'll is take it? the original. I'll take the Jim Carrey. I don't want none of that new stuff. Uh, the new cartoon is actually okay. We are so far off. off so topic, off the topic. MLB. Um, we saw John Heyman tweet out his ballad for the Hall of Fame. And we got to see some names that were there, who he voted for. And um, it was a conversation I wanted to have with Danny that we didn't get to. So let's do it quickly here. First of all, Barry Bonds. John voted for Barry Bonds. He's a Hall of Famer. We can agree on that? I'm a noted Barry Bonds lover, if you will. Always been a fan of Barry Bonds. I think he's a, I think he is a Hall of Famer, no doubt. The fact that he's not going to get in, I think, is criminal. Well, I think I I actually do. I think he's going to almost unanimously get in this year. 
I would put money on that. Yeah. Because I, I think sure it, hope so. I think I sure the writers, so. which I mean, we can agree again that it is stupid as you know what that the writers are the ones that vote these players in. Yeah, because there, I don't are, get there are some real weird white writers out there, and that, they hold grudges. Of, yeah, like no one. There else, is no man. player. I think there is almost no player that holds a grudge against Barry Bonds because everyone else in that era was doing it. The major leagues was accepting it. You could shoot up. Every if you wanted to be in the major 100%. leagues, you had to shoot up. And I think the players understand that, but the writers hold a grudge. I still I do not understand for the life of me why the writers are voting for this. Major League Baseball, I don't think, um, technically banned PEDs until like real late in the nineties, uh, like ninety eight, ninety nine, maybe even. Um, and then they didn't even start testing people until like halfway through the two thousands, right? So there was that error there where like they're just like, yeah, it's banned, but like, go ahead and do it. So how can you tell someone that? They can't get into the Hall of Fame when you let them do it, right? You're telling me you didn't know he was shooting up? Just look at a picture from the first year in the league to the last year. Like, obviously, he was he was on drugs. Right, you're telling me Major League Baseball didn't know that he was breaking the rules, yet they let him continue to do it. Why? Because it was making them money. That That's what why. I was just about to say, that this guy, he is one of the best hitters of all time, if not the best. And on top of that, he brought your league so much recognition and so much uh, money, basically, throughout the years that he played. Those ra- those home run races, 100%. those home run races, we weren't alive. No, those home run races, but we know about them. Saved baseball. They did. A lot of people say that they saved baseball because it rejuvenated people wanting to watch the game. It's a home run race. What's better than watching someone slug a baseball 550 feet, right? Like that's that's exciting. People love that. Uh, we saw, you know, Larry Walker last year when he gets in. His first question was, "How many votes did I get?" Because it was his last time on the ballot, and he was like, "You know what?" Like, this is just a pity. I don't care. And I think that's what we're going to see with Barry Bonds if he gets in. I don't even think he's going to attend the Hall of Fame ceremony. I really don't. Because I think that this guy holds such a grudge, rightfully so, against the major leagues. They've made a mockery of him. They've made an example of him. And now he is going to get in on the last ballad that he is possible just right. because these writers who have probably yeah. most never played baseball in their life are holding a grudge against him. Yeah, you think he's going to walk in there and go, oh, thank you, I'm so gracious for getting elected into the Hall of Fame, when for years they've been like, oh, does he deserve to be in? Like, should he be treated equal to everyone else when he did steroids, right? Like you said, they honestly have made a mockery of him in the last decade since he finished off in Major League Baseball, whenever that was. Like, it has been weird. And the guy still decides to work for Major League Baseball, but the actual conversation I wanted to have and we're not going to have time to get to anything else We've got a couple minutes here. Um, on that ballot, notably, there was a couple players that didn't get their votes. and I th- From John Heyman that to we saw me, his, his tweeted out uh, ballot. Exactly. To me, um, David Ortiz is the biggest one. This guy is a first ballot Hall of Famer, without a doubt in my mind. But the problem is he might not be a first ballot Hall of Famer because you only get five votes. Why do we restrict them to five votes? They restrict them to five votes because they only want... A certain amount of people getting in every year, which I think is crazy, right? Like, I think that's stupid. You cannot... You're telling me that David Ortiz doesn't get your vote because you have to pick somebody else who's running out of years of eligibility? Like, if David Ortiz deserves a vote, he deserves a vote. I, uh, you, right here, who was voted for, Jeff Kent, was voted for by John Hayman. I don't know Jeff Kent. I really don't. I honestly don't even know who he is. Is that a problem? Is he probably a great player? Yeah, he's on a Hall of Fame ballot, and he got a vote from an amazing writer such as John Heyman. But I don't think he deserves to get the vote right now more 
then David Ortiz deserves to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Am I crazy to think that? Why can we not just say, okay, yes, we don't want too many guys in. Don't use your votes willy-nilly. But at the same time, if you have David Ortiz and you have Torrey Hunter and you have Kurt Schilling and you have Barry Bonds and you have Scott Rowland all on the same ballot, feel free to vote for all those. We run into this problem with the writers. Um, the writers run into this problem where they can kind of get away with not giving someone their vote because they can go, oh, he'll get in eventually, right? They can go, oh, the Hall of Fame class next year isn't quite as strong, so I can afford to save my vote for him for next year and give it to this person, right? Like, they're not so much as voting in who they think is the best. They're voting in strategically, right? Who can I get in so that I get everyone who I want in, but it doesn't really have to be in the year that they should get in. And that's not fair to, to David Ortiz. It's I not. mean, the guy worked it's his not, tail off I don't think that's and represented Boston in a way that nobody else really has in their whole career, whole life, maybe aside from Tom Brady. And this guy's not going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer, more than likely off of, um, you know, off of weirdness, off of technicalities. Well, he'll get in. He'll get in. I, I'm not doubting he's going to get in, but the difference next between year. next you know, year the difference between being a first ballot Hall of Famer and a Hall of Famer is huge. So we need to shut it down. Rare we are. Uh, Smitty Mitty Show is sponsored by Dave Middleton Sun Life Financial. Life is brighter under the sun. Gold line curling. The choice of champions. They are the sponsor of the 2022 Ontario Tankard happening in Port Elgin, Ontario, February 7th to 9th. You got your tickets yet? Uh, we get tickets. I actually uh, I talked to the uh, marketing director the other day, who happens to be my Faja, and we are good <laughs> to get into the building. So we will be there. Uh, hopefully, you'll be there too. Get your tickets online. Also, a side note: a friend of the show, and I'm going to call him friend of the show. Friend of the show, Ron James is coming to Owen Sound March 26th. That is at the uh, Roxy Theater. We're thinking about maybe giving away a couple tickets. Might be giving away some tickets. Stay we tuned will, to the new uh, year. Yeah, we will keep you up to date with that, but make sure you get your tickets online. That is the Roxy Theater. Support small business and support an amazing, funny man. Thank you to Noah Smith. Thank you to Tyler Middleton. Thank you to producers all over the show that happened here. Thank you to Danny Fietti, who, uh, again, for the Wake and Rake podcast with Mr. Will Middlebrooks, also CBS Sports writer. I feel like I did an amazing job wrapping up the back half of the you show. You did. You took it. You took it. Took it right by the reins. Took it for a ride, and you did it all. And I, I stayed on for the whole eight seconds, baby. We will see you next week on the Smitty Mitty Show on the TSMS Radio Network.